We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey there folks, you're listening to the Miami Dolphins episode of the 2018 Team Preview Series, a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. My name is Neil Dutton, you can follow me on Twitter at ndutton13. Our guest today is Antoine Staley, follow him on Twitter at Antoine Staley. He's the Dolphins reporter for The Dolphins Wire. We'll talk about some of the key questions surrounding the Dolphins for the season to come, namely the job security of both head coach Adam Gase and quarterback Ryan Tannehill. We'll look at how the team look to replace the production of Jarvis Landry in the receiving game and what we can expect from the team on on the ground in 2018. After the interview, we'll take a few minutes to think about some of the things Antoine and I talked about, and we'll take a closer look at some of these key players using some of the apps available on Rotoviz. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over a thousand articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Go to rotoviz.com to check out the site. And now, let's bring on our guest. Delighted to be joined now by Antoine Staley. You can follow him on Twitter at Antoine Staley. He's the Dolphins beat writer for the Dolphins Wire. Antoine, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be with you. Excellent. Okay, we'll get straight into it. Um, two seasons in uh, to the Adam Gase era, the Dolphins have gone uh, sixteen and sixteen. It doesn't sound too bad, but given the drop off from year one to year two, how much how much pressure is he under to get the Dolphins? To, to make it a successful season for the Dolphins in 2018? Oh, he's under a little bit of pressure. I won't say he's definitely, Adam Gates is on the, he's on the hot seat. Uh, I think uh, Stephen Ross is going to give him at least maybe this season and 
we'll see we'll see how badly they finish or how good they finish. That'll determine his faith going on to two thousand nineteen. But yeah, right now I think the season's kinda of, eh, you know, he finished he's five hundred after two seasons. So I think right now they're just kinda of wait and see mentality with the Dolphins. They they made a lot of personnel changes, which I'm sure you're gonna get into. Obviously Ryan Tannehill, the big story coming back there. And Adam Gates feels like with Tannehill coming back his main quarterback, he feels like they feel like they can get Pete and get fifty four playoffs by this upcoming year. We also say you mentioned him there, the uh, the quarterback obviously back after you know for the best part of nearly two years since we last saw him, Ryan Tannehill. Um he has very, very large cap hits in the next two seasons. There doesn't seem to be a serious contender for the job on the roster at the moment. Is assuming he stays fit and healthy, is it just assumed that he's going to be the guy going forward or is he playing for his future to an extent as well this season? Well he is. Uh I'll say that right now, Adam Gates and Tannehill are tied at the hip with each other. If if Tannehill, if they have such a bad season where they need to make a replacement at the starting quarterback, I think they would still keep Tannehill, but they end up drafting somebody. But yeah, I think as long as Gates is going to be is the head coach, that Tannehill is going to be the starter there. Uh, yeah, he's definitely under a lot of pressure there as well. Uh, we're talking about a guy that's been playing for seven years, was drafted in 2012. Uh, we were still having, we still questions about him. Uh, you can't even ever be a quality starting quarterback in this league consistently. We've seen it throughout spurts. Uh, 2016, the last time he played in a regular season game, he ended up having a really good stretch, uh, his last eight games where the Dolphins finished seven and one. He ended up having a quarterback rating of over 100. And that's some of the best football he played prior to him getting hurt. They're going to try to get back to that after missing the last 20 games or so, it's, it's going to be difficult for him to at least right away. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to monitor his progress and to see how, how he comes about. But, yeah, if, if he doesn't necessarily have a good year as well, that I can definitely see them drafting somebody in the upcoming draft next year. As you say, they drafted Tannehill back in 2012. And, you know, even after those, you know, the seven years or so, we're still in a position that, away from Tom Brady, the best quarterback in the AFC East in the 21st century is Chad Pennington. It's it's still quite bizarre, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess it, I never really thought about it like that, but, yeah, I guess you could say that uh, for two different teams. For the Jets and the Dolphins, he, he got them both, well, he helped them reach the playoffs. So, yeah, it's crazy to think that, uh, that he is the second best quarterback yet since Tom Brady's been playing in this division. And that's, I think that says a, a lot about the whole division, not necessarily uh, the Dolphins situation, no, but no. just the, the three other teams um, in that division as well. Um, obviously, you mentioned that uh, Tannehill did enjoy some success. The last time he played, obviously, he was part of that uh, great great run they had to end the 2016 season. Um, that was, as a whole, it was uh, regarding a slight offensive a change of philosophy. They went more to a more run-heavy approach than they had been in the previous time of Tannehill being in the uh, in the NFL. So we'll keep looking at the running game at the moment. Do you see it being a genuine running back by, by committee, or do you think one of Kenny and Drake or Frank Gore, you know, bless him at his age, could emerge as a genuine workhorse uh, like Jay Ajayi did back in 2016? I don't know if it's going to be exactly like that. I think they're going to, it's going to be a lot of Drake. Uh, it's going to be some Frank Gore. It's going to be, uh, a tap and a Caleb Balazs, the rookie out of Arizona State as well. Uh, Gates doesn't necessarily believe in having a workhorse running back. 
So I think he, in his mind, he would like to have all three playing and not necessarily split carries, but at least getting playing time. Uh, that was his plan in 2012, I mean, 2015 too as well. But Jay and Dye just ended up getting hot and you just kind of ride the hot hand there and you just stick with what's giving you success. And, and yeah, they're just going to continue to feed them and have a run heavy type of offense. And that also, I believe that also helps Tannehill. I, I believe you're going to see a lot of throwing them on the ball and try to be a lot more physical than they did, like they did in 2016 where they had a ton of success. I think when the Dolphins try to throw the ball uh, 40 times a game or so, that's when they ended up, or, or a lot of teams ended up throwing the ball that many times. You end up not having a lot of success, especially in the Dolphins' case. I think you definitely want to limit the amount of times Teddy Hogan throws the ball, especially early on where he's still going to be rusty. He's still going to be uh, need to get work out some kinks out in his game, and it's going to take time for him to try to get back to that level that he was two years ago. Obviously, there's been the biggest change on the in the passing game is obviously that Jarvis Landry, you know, has been something of a target magnet uh, over the last four seasons. He's now in Cleveland. Do you see anyone stepping up to replace Landry as the mainstay of the offense, or is it going to be a case of more people are going to get more opportunities? Uh, I think they're going to just more or less spread it around a little bit more. Uh, they got Danny Amendola, who. Took over the Jarvis, who's taking over the Jarvis Landry role in the slot. But I, one, with Amendola, he, has, he could, he can't catch passes in volume as we saw at the playoffs last year with the Patriots, but his injury history is well documented. He has not played a full season, 15 game season since I believe 2013 or 14, uh, one or the other. But yeah, it's been a few seasons since he's played. And he's only done that once, one time in his career. He's played the entire year. So history tells you that He's not going to play the entire year. So, so uh, I think it'd be hard pressed for him to replace, give you 112 catches or, or in the amount of yards that Landry gave you. I don't know if any receiver is going to do that. I think they're going to do it more of a committee. Maybe have Kenny Stills catch some more balls. Uh, Albert Wilson, I believe, who I, I really like. I think Dolphins are going to try to use him in a lot of different ways. Devontae Parker, maybe a little bit, even though I don't think a lot of Dolphin fans are really, uh, I have high hopes for Devontae Parker anymore, especially with him breaking his finger, and he's questionable for the return for the start of the season against Tennessee. So yeah, and also you, you drafted Mike Gesicki too out of Penn State. So they hope the, all the, the collection of all those players will help replace the production of Landry. No player is going to do what he did. Landry was uh, one of the best Dolphin receivers they they ever had, especially uh, young receivers, and, and they really wanted to keep him. But the fact of the matter is, they just couldn't pay him the money that he wanted. So they end up having to trade him and get a little something for him. But, yeah, they're just going to do it by committee and just kind of see how it is, yeah, how that works out. You mentioned him there. Um, obviously, especially in fantasy circles, Devontae Parker, the, the inevitable breakout, as I say, is everyone's still waiting for it. Has it got to an extent now that, let's say, I think he's, you know, he's, he's coming towards the end of his rookie deal now. Is it a case of anything the Dolphins can get out of him this season is a bonus and then we'll move on at the end of the season? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think unless he has a spectacular year, uh, they, they did pick up his rookie option, but they can always rescind it before the start of free agency next year. And all indications, at least to me, they're going to do that because he's not worth $9.5 million, especially because of the way he played throughout his career. And it's nothing to show, nothing has shown me throughout these, this time with the Dolphins that he's going to, he's going to, just all of a sudden be this 
wonderful Pro Bowl type player, no one type receiver. You know, fans have been waiting on it, waiting on it. I, I think at some point, uh, it just, you just kind of have to understand this is who the player is, and uh, you just kind of move on. Yeah, he has talent, but injuries have gotten in the way. Uh, you know, a lot of the things he's done off the field, preparing himself for the core games, not eating right, not sleeping right, uh, just not working hard enough at times. And that's just kind of been his story. And I, I think unless that changes, then I expect, to, I expect this to be the last year with the Dolphins. And another player you mentioned there, um, the rookie Mike Gusecki, former uh, Penn State tight end. Coming out of college, there were question marks about his blocking ability, um, much the same way that last year, I think people were making the same criticisms of Evan Ingram uh, with the New York Giants. He went on to have a, a very good rookie season in terms of uh, pass catching. Is there any chance in your eyes that Gasecki could have a similar role, maybe not quite as, as large, but certainly be a bigger contributor as a receiver, but more so than a blocker? I, look, the Dolphins got him to catch football. They didn't get him to block. They understand he has, uh, he's not the best block in the world, but the Dolphins they also understand they have not had a game-breaking tight end in a very long time. They tried out Julius Thomas last year, who just retired today. Today, uh, that had, that didn't work, that experiment didn't work out the way they, Adam Gates thought. They tried, uh, Jordan Cameron a few years ago. That didn't work out. They lost Charles Clay in, back in 2014. So they really have not had a quality tight end, Pro Bowl type tight end in a very, very long time. They believe Gasecki with his athletic ability and you can block it as something you can work on. His athletic ability and just, just phenomenal talent. That's something that's hard to, hard to measure up to, hard to find, especially, uh, with you, you know, with, with tight ends. So I guess that my belief is and their belief is he's going to eventually just be an adequate blocker and just, Hope he can be a, a Pro Bowl type pass catching tight end, and they will, they would just they would adore that. And the defense, uh, moving over to the other side of the ball, the defense regressed uh, in terms of uh, yards, points allowed, and takeaways from 2016 to 2017. Do you think enough has been done to improve on this, or could, is it going to be a struggle to stop teams on that side of the ball? I think it could be a worse situation. I think if you look at what the Dolphins have defensively now. Uh, I, the offense I wouldn't necessarily be worried about is defense. And you take away the Dominican Sue, and I know a lot of people talked about, well, their run defense wasn't very good anyway last year, but they were 14th in the league in that department. And the st- what I'm seeing right now in the preseason, they could be a lot worse uh, with the end of the year. At least, at least Sue played at some out of uh, downs for you and played 84%, 84% of the snaps defensively for the team last year, which is a high number for any defensive tackle. Mm. Uh, pretty phenomenal, to be completely honest with you. But, yeah, you take away that, uh, a Pro Bowl talent, and you replace it with uh, Jordy Phillips or Devon Gacho, who I am a big fan of Gacho, or maybe Benson Taylor, you're not getting that same production. So, And we showed it last week against the Carolina Panthers that, yeah, that teams are just going to line up and just try to run the football against the Dolphins, I believe. And Tampa did that in their first preseason game against the Dolphins as well. So that's something they're definitely going to have to work on. I, I, I do, uh, they also have some questions at the linebacker position. Jerome Baker, who they drafted in the third round, he, he's very athletic, but he's not very big, 215 pounds. And he, yes, he can cover running backs, but if you're asking to uh, be a adequate run stopper and, and on defense, can he do that consistently with his size? I don't know, especially considering a lot of their running backs 
bigger than him uh, running the football. So, yeah, it's a lot of big questions there. Uh, all three levels of the football. I do like Micah Fitzpatrick there. I think that was a good quality pickup. And it seems like he's going to play the slot quarterback position and they're going to move Mike McCain out to the outside. But yeah, there's definitely talent there. It's just a matter of can they improve from last year? I don't know. Uh, it definitely, but it's definitely a lot of questions there, but it's also some potential as well. So with all that being said, uh, Antoine, what does a successful season look like for the Dolphins in 2018? Uh, if, if a successful season would be uh, getting getting to the playoffs, wild card, uh, getting back to ten wins, I believe, and just competing in that wild card game. Even in 2016, there was never a moment where I, I thought anybody believed the Dolphins had a chance to win that football game once it got started. And that, that's what they want. They want to try to change the culture of this football team. They know that. And they, well, they believe New England's not going to win forever. And even though it seems like that. Uh, they their belief is that they could beat the next team up and kind of take over that range in the AFC East, and they can they believe they can start that this upcoming year. But yeah, they they believe ten ten wins or possibly nine getting into the playoffs and make maybe making noise there. That would be a successful season for the Dolphins. Well, that's fantastic, Antoine. Thank you very much for joining us. That's Antoine Staley. Say follow him on Twitter at Antoine Staley or. Read his work at the Dolphins Wire. Antoine, thanks very much for your time. Hi there, you take it easy. That was my chat with Antoine Staley of the Dolphins Wire. After the break, we'll take a few minutes to talk about some of the, to look at some of the things we talked about and use some of the Rotoviz apps to look at some of the key players of the Dolphins going into 2018. As you know, the NFL season is quickly approaching. Get ready for it with a subscription to a Rotoviz NFL Pass, which you can get right now for 30% off. This discount is for listeners of the podcast only, and it's available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools, and best of all, it supports the pod. Again, be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL pass at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Welcome back to the Dolphins episode of the 2018 Team Preview Series, special edition of Road of His Radio. Before the break, we spoke to Antoine Staley of the Dolphins Wire. We asked him some of the key questions surrounding the Dolphins going into the new season. Just want to take a few minutes now to look a bit closer at some of the players and situations that Antoine and I talked about. The Dolphins, when well, I say they were six and ten last year, they've been ten and six the year before. So in two years under Antoine um Antoine and Adam Gase, uh, they're five hundred exactly, you know, uh, sixteen and sixteen. They did get to the playoffs in Gase's first season in charge. That was only their second playoff berth since the two thousand and one series uh, season. This has been a team and a franchise that has been fairly ordinary for much of the 21st century. It's you know it's not been good. They've they've, they've had a sl- something of a uh, excuse me something of a sliding door at quarterback. They've constantly had to chop and change there. Ryan Tannehill is the starter. He's back now. He missed all of the 2017 season uh, after getting injured late in 2016. So. We talk about, you know, he's back. What type of player can we expect? Well, if we look at some of the apps we have at Rotoviz, we can see that Ryan Tannehill has been fairly... They've, they've overpassed, it's fair to say, since they drafted him in 2012. So if we look at his career, we use the Game Splits app on Rotoviz and we split it up and go from 2012 to 2015. Now, he played 64 games in that span. And in that time, he averaged 35 pass attempts per game, 21 completions, 241 passing yards... 
1.36 touchdowns, 0.84 interceptions, with an average yards per attempt of 6.91. Uh, from a fancy point of view, this was good for about 19 points a game. It's not great. But then we look at the difference in 2016. We only played 13 games, but they went a lot more run-heavy in 2016. As you can see, he attempted only 30 passes per game, so five fewer attempts. He completed 20, so it's gone from 21 to 20. His passing yards per game came down to 229.7. His touchdowns went up 1.46. His interceptions also went up to 0.92, but his average yards per attempt was 7.83. His PPR dropped it was a slightly down to 18.67. So we saw that when Tannehill was last with the Dolphins and they were winning, we did go on a good run at the end of the season. Antoine did mention that they didn't rely on Tannehill as much. They didn't put it on his arm. They put it on the ground game. Now, the ground game, it was slightly easier back when Tannehill was last fit. They did have Jay Ajayi. They let him have the big workload. Whereas now, it seems to be something of a three-way committee with uh, Caelan Balage, uh, the rookie from this year, Frank Gore, who will outlive a lot of us, and Kenny and Drake. Now, Frank Gore has had a tremendous career. I don't think anyone can truly deny that. And, you know, I'm certainly not going to be one to criticise him. Is he a Hall of Famer? I don't know. That's not for me to decide. But you can't argue the fact that he's going to be 35. He is 35 years old, so he certainly can't argue it. He'll be 35 years old when the season starts. And there is not a big track record of successful 35-year-old running backs in the NFL of late. No, no, no. Um, but as I say, we look at the rotoviz of his screener app. Now, this app allows us to search for players uh, or even teams under a whole raft of criteria. It really is phenomenal. It's a great resource. It's probably the best app on Rotoviz. And Rotoviz Screener, what I chose was since the dawn of the 21st century, so from 2000 up till 2017, I wanted to look at rush attempts, team market share of rushing yards, rushing yards, yards per carry, and rushing touchdowns and PPR points for running backs aged 35 and above. Okay, so the top five results I got per season, individual seasons, the top five results I got from 2000 to 2017 were Emmett Smith in 2004 had 267 rush attempts. It was good for 56% of the total team carries. He was on the Cardinals back then. 937 yards, 3.5 yards per carry, nine rushing touchdowns, 178 PPR points. So Emmett Smith was, you know, it wasn't a great time for him when he was at the Cardinals, but you'd expect probably more from a player who's got 56% of your carries. So 267 rushing attempts. The next highest for a running back aged 35 and above is 33. And that's by Max Strong in 2006. Then we have Lorenzo Neal with 29 each in 2005 and 2006. And 21 for Larry Centers in 2003. Now, one... Massive thing to consider about Messrs. Strong, Neil and Centres. They were full-backs. They were not workhorse bell cow running backs. Frank Gore is not a full-back. He's not been brought in to play full-back. But there is not a huge track record of success of running backs at his age putting up serious numbers in the NFL. So that then means, well, does that mean a bigger role for Kenny and Drake? Now, Kenny and Drake 
when Jay Ajayi was here in 2016, 2017, I stand corrected, sorry, he didn't see an awful lot of work, certainly while Ajayi was there, because Ajayi was carrying over his workhorse role from the season before. So if we look, we go back to the Game Splits app, and we can see Kenny and Drake. In games where Jay Ajayi played, Drake averaged two rushing attempts per game, five rushing yards per game. Oh, God. Uh, he was targeted 1.2 times per game with 0.6 receptions, and he averaged the magnificent figure of 1.24 PPR points per game. In the nine games that Drake played without Jay Ajayi, these figures, they do go up, admittedly, you can't argue it. Their rushing attempts, 13.67, um, rushing yards, 68.78, uh, targets, 4.67, 3.2 receptions, for 25 receiving yards on the ground, and his PPR points has gone up to 15.34. But he did not just get all the work straight away as soon as Ajayi was out, out the door. No, no, no. They did bring it, sprinkle in Damian Williams, and it was only till... Uh, so you had to wait until weeks 13 till 17 when you saw Drake really put up workhorse-style numbers. In those five weeks, his rush attempts were up 18 for 88.8 rushing yards. He was getting 5.6 targets, uh, catching 3.4 balls for 30 receiving yards per game. And his PPR points was 17.68 per game. So if we equate these figures and project them out over a full season... It would be 291 rush attempts for 1,421 yards, 6 touchdowns, 90 targets, 54 receptions for 480 yards, but no receiving touchdowns, and it would be 283 PPR points. I think it's safe to say that's not going to happen. They're not going to lean on Drake to that extent, especially as something Antoine said. He does not see this being a workhorse bell cow scenario, especially under Adam Gase with these pieces. They're going to have to sprinkle in uh, Caelan Ballage as well, as we said. Now, we've seen that when the Dolphins under Adam Gase are going to be successful, they're going to want to run the ball. But that doesn't mean they're not going to just, they can't just not throw it at all. And from last year, they are missing 291 targets in the passing game. That is absolutely phenomenal. A large chunk of that, of course, is due to them trading away Jarvis Landry. He's now with the Cleveland Browns. But there's an awful lot of targets there that still need to be taken up. Now, they did bring in Danny Amendola, they brought in Albert Wilson, but they still have. Uh, still on the roster is Devontae Parker, who's been a disappointment. We talked about that with Antoine. Uh, and they have Kenny Stills. Now, some people may think Kenny Stills is just a field stretcher. He's just a deep option. And Ryan Tannehill does not have the biggest arm. He's not been the best deep passer in the NFL. But it is worth noticing that, as we said, and we'll go back to this, this is the land, this is the template for the Dolphins being successful. We've seen it under Adam Gase. They run the ball, they use the ball, the, the running game, to set up the shot to Kenny Stills. So if we go to the AYA app on Rotoviz, and if we look at Kenny Stills, his AYA when targeted by quarterbacks um, at least 50 times, he averages 12.1 yards when Drew Brees targets him. Kenny Stills obviously started in New Orleans, and in his career... Ryan Tannehill has targeted him 124 times and his average yards per attempt is just 6.95, which is not particularly good. But in 2016, 61 of those targets, Tannehill to Stills, the average yards per attempt jumped to 7.41. Now, obviously, there's going to be... It's different, a totally different offence. I say there's no Jay there's no Jarvis Landry, but Kenny Stills is still going super late in drafts. He has shown here that he can link up with Ryan Tannehill. It's a question, of course, whether that chemistry can come back. It's been nearly two years. But he has shown that he can be a guy who can produce. He can produce fancy points. 
I say he's not a big volume guy, but I don't think the Dolphins are going to be particularly big on volume. They don't really look like they're going to have someone who's going to siphon up all the targets. They certainly don't look like they're going to have someone who's going to siphon up all the rush attempts. So Kenny Stills at the moment, given his cheapness in drafts, if you want a piece of this offense, he looks to me like the best bet. The Dolphins... I don't think they're going to have a great season. Um, There is still that team up in New England, so they're not going to challenge for the AFC's title. Can they push for a playoff? I don't know. The AFC is not a particularly strong conference at the moment, but I just think they have some serious questions. And the big question, of course, about Adam Gase, you know, his last, his predecessors, they usually get three seasons and then the fourth, they start to get a little bit twitchy. Um, so he's probably got this season. If he craters, who knows? But if he does another 6, 10, 7 or 9, he's probably safe going into the next season. But who knows? But for me, the person to own from a fancy point of view, if you want my advice, still going super late in draft is Kenny Stills. Well, that is going to do it for the Dolphins edition of the Rotoviz Radio Team Preview Series. Big thank you once again to Antoine Staley for joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Antoine Staley. Follow me on Twitter at NDutton13. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the 2018 Team Preview Series. Our assistant executive producer is Colm Kelly and our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotavizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for two ninety nine subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold cut combo. Veggie delight. Or Black Forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just two ninety nine each. Sir, yes, sir! Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for two ninety nine subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just two ninety nine each. Sir, yes, sir! Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.